Welcome to the Small Business Community Network podcast, your connection to the small business community. Visit us online at www.sbcncanada.org and find out how we can help your business grow. We're proudly supported by TELUS, the future is friendly, and by Prime Information Security, because business is risky enough. everyone, it's Linda Ocord-Jenna here, co-founder of the Small Business Community Network with another SBCN Small Biz Podcast. The SBCN has been assisting business owners for the past 13 years. This podcast is a great way to share business tips, ideas and of course awareness by a variety of people. Today we're very lucky to be chatting with Detective Sean Marshall who's been employed as a police officer for the Toronto Police Service for 16 years. Sean's current assignment is as a detective in the Computer Cybercrime C3 section of Intelligence Services. The Toronto Police C3 section assists investigators with the internet component of crime, social media investigations and intelligence gathering. Wow, Sean, that's an impressive bio, and I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And um, should I be scared? <laughs> you sound quite important. <laughs> I am not. No, the, anybody's bio always makes them sound more important than they really are. <laughs> I'm a horrible self-promoter and horrible at writing those things. So. Well, it's, it's wonderful. It, it puts you in a really nice light, and I guess um, very happy today that you're going to share some facts, ago, and I suppose, and about figures, about, you know, this 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 topic in particular yeah absolutely you know i uh, was dealing with one of my cases and i had a it person for a medium-sized business who said if you're doing any educational stuff in the future please keep me in the loop and the thing was that our office doesn't really do a lot of proactive stuff like that we will reach out and uh, talk to people as you know they need help mm-hmm. but we don't actually reach out proactively to try and get the message out and an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure as they say so okay. it's really something that we should be doing more of I believe so. Um, I don't know if this, this is this kind of thing, you know, that, that you may be dealing with. I don't know. But um, we were, um, I guess, in the States for at least a month. We returned December the 19th last year. Dave, was my husband, is a cybersecurity guy. And he was speaking at conferences. And when we got back, he didn't really think much about the fact that we got this, this mail something to do with Costco and a membership credit card um, and he knew he was a member we didn't have a credit card and cut a long story short when he made all his um, investigations and phoned them up somebody else was actually stealing Dave's identity and we did have to contact the local police and you know it was fantastic how everything was dealt with in, in a really fast way and we felt really safe about the situation. That's, that's great it's, uh, I think it's a statement of how common these things are getting to be I mean, there was a time uh, when you could send out an email to all of your friends saying, don't open the email titled, you know, whatever, because it actually contains a virus. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, it's everywhere and it affects so many different ways that we do business that, you know, you really have to be on your toes a good chunk of the time. So what can you, I mean, what do you, or not you in particular, you know, your team, your organization, what do you do to help us and raise awareness? Well, when it comes to raising awareness, we do a lot of uh, presentations at conferences and things like that, Um, and we present on a variety of topics. I've presented on everything from fraud to 
uh, counter um, surveillance and intelligence when it comes to counterterrorism investigations. So, uh, you know, we run a fairly broad spectrum as anybody that's based in IT does. Uh, we would like to do more sort of proactive things like this to to reach out and spread mm-hmm. the message about it's not just fraud when it comes to small businesses yeah. as well, but uh, there can be other things like some people will just mess with you online because they can mess with you online, and there's a lot oh, of people that just yeah. gain satisfaction that way. So I know, it's uh, really bad. the more the more that you know and, and understand about it, the better position you are to be able to deal with it. So are you finding that? you know, by speaking at conferences or going to organizations, like we're very lucky coming to our organization, the SBZ, and I believe in November to present to our audience. Do you find that most of the people then are more aware or it's still a really difficult thing to grasp and and get your head around kind of deal? Well, the conferences and presentations I've done uh, are usually very specific to a topic, and they tend to be people that are more or less experts in that area. Uh, so it's almost like I'm preaching to the choir, really. Yeah. <laughs> the message isn't reaching the people that really need to know it. You know? I get it, I get it, yeah. It's training the trainer sort of thing, hoping that, that you know, they will then spread the message outwards from their different organizations. Um, but I, I would also like to, at the same time, start targeting you know, the people that really need the information mm-hmm. the most. And especially small businesses range such a, uh, they, they face such a wide variety of challenges when it comes to these things. Uh, they definitely need to know a lot more about it, I think. They do. And I guess you're, you battle the same problem. I battle, I'm all about awareness, but if we take cancer in particular, um, most people think that because a certain kind of cancer doesn't run in their family that they won't be touched by cancer so if I'm speaking at a conference or or I'm raising awareness by writing about cancer in particular a lot of people I need to reach won't read it because they don't think they're going to be affected so that's the same thing everywhere I guess isn't it how do we how do we get to the people who are not aware and, and don't think it will happen to them so have you got any tips or ideas for us today you want to share how we can help ourselves or you know well, for sure. You know, I, um, as I said before, an ounce of prevention is really worth a pound of cure. And, and I firmly believe that knowledge is power. So when you, if you're a small business owner, um, one of the first things that you need to do is start trying to read up on some of the cyber challenges that your business can face. When people think of uh, cyber criminals that are targeting businesses, for instance, uh, most people think that they're going to target the local Walmart instead of your local dentist. Mm, yeah. But the reality is that Walmart has like a multi-million dollar budget to sort of fight against these intrusions, and your average small business doesn't, doesn't have any budget to fight against these things. And, yeah. and bad guys are starting to realize that and target them. Uh, some of the things that we see on a regular basis is ransomware. That's certainly a very common one. Unfortunately, and that doesn't just target small businesses, but it targets people as well, either uh, through a targeted email that will appeal to your business. So if you are, again, not to pick on dentists, but to go back (laughs) to the example of a dentist, um, if it was from a company that distributes dental material, for instance, uh, then a bad guy could spoof that email address, so pretend to be from that company, and send a link which would then you know, ransom your entire computer network, including all of your patients' files, because they know that you will pay to get them back. Is it true, though, funnily enough, um, did a, well, it ended up being a long video because the topic was so fantastic, but we had one of our members do a video with us last night, and he was saying that now even if you pay the ransomware, the bitcoins, whatever, that sometimes you don't get your data back. Is that true? That's, That's very true, and for a variety of reasons. 
initially when ransomware started, it was people that were very technologically savvy that were running it. So they also were smart enough to understand that their business model relied on people paying them and then they release the information. Mm-hmm. Because if word gets out that if you pay and you don't get anything back, then no one will pay. <laughs> and there goes their entire business. <laughs> it's, it's odd to speak of criminals as being you know, business savvy, but that is the reality. I mean, it is their job in some cases. Well, they so, are human, I guess, in some it, way. It's true. Um, so when it comes to that, in the past, it was certainly, you know, you would pay, you would get access to your data. But now they offer something called ransomware as a service. So these guys don't administer the ransomware anymore. They will make it available to other people and say, you know what, you run this for me and then give me a cut of what you make. And the people that are running it aren't as technologically savvy and things go wrong. So they may not actually be able to decrypt your data or they may just be in it for the money just to rip you off entirely and not care about how to decrypt data or anything like Mm. that. So there's no guarantee that you will get your data back. There's no guarantee that they won't just come back to you for more money. Say, yeah. well, you just paid me $500. I just need another $100. So, so what else do you want us to know to be more aware of and educate ourselves? You know, I mean. Well, certainly email uh, is one thing that a lot of these, uh, these cyber criminals rely on. So that is how they will get the ransomware uh, onto your computer, for instance, is through email. Mm-hmm. Or another common thing that we have seen lately is business email compromise, where if you're in a fairly large business, uh, you know, the CEO will send an email to the accountant saying, please wire this $180,000 overseas for me. Meanwhile, it's a fake email from the CEO, okay. uh, and their, you know, their email address is being spoofed to make it look like they're sending it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will compromise that person's email uh, through a, a phishing scam or something like that so that they can get into the CEO's email to send that e- uh, message to the accountant to pay oh, and terrible. there are some businesses that actually send the money they want to make the ceo happy so they'll be, <laughs> absolutely yes sir we'll wire that hundred eighty thousand dollars for you and then when they talk to them later they have no idea what they're talking about so so that's, comes, that's nasty right but wouldn't a good way to deal with that especially the large corporations who've got the money shouldn't just two two people should be dealing with that kind of correspondence and whether or not to pay the money surely there should be like some kind of safety net so one person doesn't make the decision there should be you know i mean the what i have uh, proposed for that is that every wire transfer gets confirmed verbally uh-huh. and if you are the ceo of a large corporation for instance and you are traveling to france for a conference there's a good chance you might post about that on your social media. Mm-hmm. So you might post on Twitter, I can't wait to go to France for this conference. The bad guys can see that, wait until you're in France, mm-hmm. and then they can uh, send that message to your accountant saying, you know, I'm here in France, I've just met a new supplier, please wire this money. Yeah. And it looks fairly legitimate. And if it's a big business, you know, they may want to keep the CEO happy <laughs> because their jobs may depend on it. But I believe that every wire transfer like that should be authorized yeah. verbally as well as, um, as well as by email. So email them the details because if you mess up a wire transfer, there's a, a very real chance that you will not get that money back, so even if a, you mess up the account number. Yeah, that's a really good tip, though, um, you know, to, to verbally also confirm that, you know, the person is who they are and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and again, if that happens to a smaller business, I don't know whether it does, they could be bankrupt, couldn't they? They could be financially... Oh, absolutely. If it's, if, it's a, if it's a small business, and that could be all of your money. 
And these guys don't care. They just want the money, and they don't care what it does to you personally or how it may ruin you. Um, they are just after the money. Email is a very tricky thing when it comes to yeah. small businesses. I have a friend of mine who has a company that has about 100 employees, and he did a phishing awareness uh, campaign with them. So I hired a company that came in. They did a pretest and found that if you send a malicious link to his employees, mm-hmm. about 30% of them would click through. Yeah, yeah. So they did this big uh, campaign about it, and it was very successful. And at the mm-hmm. end of it, only 13% people clicked through. And did they get rewarded by any chance for noticing? Because that's another thing. We often ask people to do things that could be extra work, and then we kind of take it for granted. And I believe that, especially in the large organizations, if we're going to put extra, what would you call it, um, I don't know, liability, stress, or work on our employees, that we should reward them in, in some way. Did, did you, do you know anybody who actually does that? I don't really. I know that there are some uh, campaigns where if, uh, they're incentivized by having draws and things like that's that. That's right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because yeah. if you think about it, I'm not being mean, but if if you and I educate them and all the people that are trying to educate people in general, but they still are a bit complacent or think, oh, you know, haven't got time, you know, we're kind of knocking our heads up against a brick wall, aren't we? If people are not going to start listening and taking notice, you know, we can't make them, but I mean, after the event, it's too late. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, when it comes to a phishing awareness scheme, it's only effective if nobody clicks on it. (laughs) And the the reality is that doesn't happen because these bad guys don't just send an email and then, well, it didn't work, I'll move on. (laughs) You know, they will send that email to all the employees of your company Mm -hmm. six times over a period of two months. And someone's not going to be paying attention and someone's going to click on it. Um, The one thing that small business owners or medium business owners can rely on is the law of least access. Because my friend afterwards looked at who needs email in his business. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, it's 10 people. Really? Higher business. 10 people, because it's a, it was a fairly manufacturing-based business, mm-hmm. only 10 people actually need access to email. Oh. And it's much easier to control that. I mean, yeah. if you have a manufacturing business, are you going to give every employee every key to every door? Yeah. Of no, your facility? no, you wouldn't, no. You wouldn't, and it's the same with email. Are you going to give everyone access to all of the, you know your internal computer network when the reality is that they don't really need it? Wow, that's really good. The other thing, do you guys find that um, you know bringing your own device to work is causing a lot of problems for the IT guys in particular? I mean, how can they monitor or how can they comply? I don't know all the posh words, but do you know what I mean? I do. I mean, I think that that sort of thing only really works when you have a limited number of devices to choose from. Mm -hmm. Because those devices, the reality is, I mean, uh, a good tip for any small business owner or computer owner is that you have to update your computer. (laughs) You know, these updates exist for a reason. And everybody makes fun of Adobe Flash because every time I want to watch a video on the (laughs) Internet, it's telling me I need to update my Flash. (laughs) There's a reason for that. And it's because there's exploits that the bad guys are using that are built into Adobe Uh Flash to gain control of computers. Uh And that gets worse when you have people bringing their own devices to work because you no longer have control over when they update them. So any tips on what those people should, I mean, is it impossible to monitor or police that one in this, you know, sense of the word security, I mean? 
It's it's certainly very tricky anyway when it comes to the hardware end of things. It's starting to step outside of my bailiwick, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they need to have a policy in place where everything gets updated on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from the hardware end of things, okay, if there's a, a way for them to check and see what version you know of Adobe Flash they're running, for instance, and if they're not running the right version, you don't get access to the network. Well, you re- you know, you, you've definitely got me on your side again because I was very much aware about it. So it's again everybody else to realise. So, what are the three most important things that you want to leave with us that we should all remember? And you know, when people are listening to the podcast, they can write them down, do what they like. But it's crucial that we get the word out there, isn't it? I think so. I mean, what uh, if I had to reduce it down to a few different things? I'll, I'll try and limit myself to three, and we'll see how I make out. Mm-hmm. But. Um, the first one is that you need to update your software, you need to update your computer, you need to update the programs you're using, and you need to have uh, regular backups that are not attached to your network. Because when it comes to ransomware, for instance, if you have an external hard drive plugged in your computer, it's going to encrypt that as well. But if you have a backup that is attached to your network, and then once the backup is done, it gets detached, mm-hmm. so it's no longer part of your network, then that is safe from anything happening. So updating and backing up, I think, are certainly very important. Um, when it comes to email, uh, you have to first, you know, the law of least access. If they don't need <laughs> access to email, don't, don't give it to them. You know? like they'll that. probably have access to email on their smart device, which they'll bring with them to work anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, certainly the people that do have access to email make sure that they understand the different scams out there so that they can look at emails that they receive critically and realize that people could be sending them malicious links to take mm-hmm. over their computer or to get into their email to encrypt everything on there wow. or fraudulent emails to send wire transfers overseas. If your employees are aware of these things, then there's a good chance that they'll be in a better position to fend against them. Uh, and the last thing that I would mention is to plan for these things, to assume that, you know, it could be something like a flood that takes out your computer mm-hmm. network. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you have a secure backup for that. If you have a process in place, like uh, when it comes to overseas wire transfers, for instance, test it. Yeah. And make sure that there's no gaps in the system because you don't want to find the gaps when you're out, you know, that $180,000 that gets wired <laughs> overseas. Uh, you want to find those things ahead of time. So you have to prepare for it. But then you also have to simulate it to make sure that the systems that you have in place work. And that doesn't matter if you're you know, a, an entrepreneur that does everything off of their laptop mm-hmm. or if you have a 100-person manufacturing facility. Um, you still need to sort of brace for the worst, run through, like establish some procedures with what's going to happen in response to different scenarios, and run through them to make sure that they're adequate and that there's no gaps there. You know. Yeah. Those are really, really good tips that that we should take to heart. Now, uh, do you actually go into the larger organizations and and, and offer these kind of... um, I know you come into the SBCM, we're we're a a smaller organization, I would say, but do you ever go to like the big guys? I don't know, Apple. (laughs) That'd be funny, wouldn't it? (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Are you welcome in in the organization to do this kind of presentation or, or do you get the word out? You know, how do you get the word out? I'm, I'm not sure if it's social media, newsletters. I mean, how do we know that you're there helping us? 
When it comes to our office, our office is actually tasked with investigative support. So we support investigators all across the Toronto Police Service, uh, from your divisional person that's investigating a harassment that takes place over Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, to homicide investigations, Whoa. Uh, and, and everybody in between. So it's a pretty broad <laughs> spectrum that we deal with. Okay. We don't uh, go into businesses to do any sort of campaigns or anything like that that no, way. No. There are businesses, you know, their entire business model is based on ongoing and, and doing that. Um, mm-hmm. So certainly people can look at those sorts of resources. But there's information on the internet about about all of these things. So if you're a small business owner and you can't afford to pay somebody to come in, um, you know you can look into it yourself. Mm-hmm. You can people can reach out to me. Uh, you have my contact information, so people can reach out to me if they Thank have you. general questions. But mm-hmm. when it comes to you know, will you be able to come to my business to you know, teach everybody <laughs> about this? Unfortunately, I would love no. to because I, I I would love to work towards uh, a <laughs> scenario where I don't have a job because everybody <laughs> understands these things and nothing bad ever happens. But. Oh, that's funny. You'll probably, f- I mean, when I was reading your bio, it's much longer than I'll pray out today. It's so interesting. So you'll always have a job. And I'm thrilled to bits, actually, that, you know, you agreed to be um, have a chat today over the podcast because I'm all about awareness. And you're such an easygoing person. I mean, to be completely honest, policemen scare me. <laughs> You know, I could I could never play the bad cop when I was interviewing people. I was always the good cop. So. <laughs> so I'm really, really looking forward to meeting you when you do come along. And thank you for agreeing to come along to our smaller organization and spread the word. And we'll be thrilled to have you. So carry on doing the good work. And uh, basically, you know, I can't wait to meet you. Have a wonderful day. Well, thanks very much. I'm looking forward to November. Lovely. So we'll chat again soon. Bye for now. Take care. Thank you.